Three, two, one, here we go. Rain Man's Take Podcast. Observations on the world we live in. My take on current events and other topics of interest. Also, interviews with some really cool people. So let's get the conversation going. Everybody, it's the Rain Man. Just want to give a quick shout out to everybody watching. Thank you very much. I know you're going to find this next raindrop thought provoking. I feel very strongly about these subjects, and I know you do too. So go ahead and hit the like button and subscribe. That way, we can continue bringing you great content in the future. So thanks again for being a part of Rain Man's Take, and enjoy this raindrop. Hey, everybody, it's the Rain Man coming at you with another raindrop today. I read a couple of very interesting articles this week, and I thought I'd just comment on them. And then at the end, I want to want to describe a really uh, fascinating and cool experience I had uh, last weekend. Anyway, to, to go into the articles that I read, one of them uh, really caught my attention here uh, as sort of... Um, I have not heard about this in the uh, before, and I wanted to just address it because it's definitely something that I'm now, uh, it's going to be on my radar in terms of um, keeping an eye out for any other news regarding this particular situation. So I read this article, this, actually it came out on the 27th, and the title of the article was, Why Do South American Drug Runners Keep Getting Caught with Uranium? And I, like I said, I had never heard about this. Uh, none of the news outlets up until now really uh, have covered it at all. But this one just sort of opened my eyes to this potential. And I, I could definitely see where um, this could cause some serious problems uh, moving forward. So just to kind of go over a little bit of what, what the article was about, uh, as Russia, China, and other nations hostile to the U.S. boost their presence within South America, it should come as no surprise to find uranium being trafficked by South, by South American drug runners. And in particular, they, he talks about uh, Venezuela and the relationship that Venezuela has had with Iran uh, over the last decade. So the article continues, Venezuela has very close ties with Iran. Venezuela, showing a growing hostility towards the United States and the West, has collaborated actively with the Iranian theocracy for over 10 years. And in a Reuters article I found from uh, 2009, it was discussing how Iran uh, had come into an alliance with Venezuela to help them find uranium in their country. And the Article further states, back then, the Venezuelan administrators did not support just Iran. They were already starting to improve ties with the different uh, flavors of Colombian guerrilla as well. It seems that no matter what that group is, if they defy the United States and the West, they deserve, it a, pl uh, deserve a place at the table. And... Um, it, the article talks about the Iranians' uh, influence in uh, Venezuela. Um, they talk about uh, several car factories that the Iranians ha had helped build in Venezuela, all under the auspices that they were going to help the Venezuelan people. But as you can imagine, in, in, a, in a country like Venezuela that's uh, 
top-down control, the, the the leadership and the government controls everything, and the and the citizens um, pretty much are left behind. As you can imagine, uh, none of those programs actually worked, and from what the article states, they never uh, none of those plants were actually producing uh, automobiles. And my take on that is basically that the Iranians just wanted the uranium, so they were they were setting up these uh, sort of um, shell type of uh, programs, all with the uh, underlying motivation of getting into those, uh, getting alliances with those countries, and then going after their uranium. So the article goes on to further state that the concerning part is that there is no possible way to know how much uranium is being extracted, traded, or where it's going or where it has gone. Um, you can only assume that, uh, that the stuff that does make it out of the country is going directly to Iran. And, and that article I just mentioned uh, about the people that were apprehended at the airport, I'd mentioned earlier, I had never heard of it. So I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why uh, this isn't, isn't making the news, especially in light of all of the um, uh, advances that the Iranians say that they are making with their, uh, with their nuclear program. So I'm going to, I'm going to continue to, uh, to dive into this, um, see if I can learn as much as I can about it. Uh, again, I, it seems like the world is on the precipice in terms of Iran getting uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, Trump, when he was uh, when he took office, um, basically took America out of that uh, Iranian nuclear deal, and then obviously Biden uh, puts America right back into it. It's troubling because uh, it seems like the Iranians uh, at every turn are. Are not holding up their end of the bargain and it seems like it's continuing that pace their um their efforts to to get that weapon so obviously it seems to me that iran's only interest in venezuela is getting their uranium nevertheless the, this uranium is effectively used as a currency to turn around international sanctions so basically they're using it as a backdoor to get around those sanctions from and as of right now it seems like it's working and so you you have to assume that for every uh smuggler that is busted at the airport or or leaving the country with uranium uh, you just have to assume that many more have, have, have actually made it out and uh the article mentions um just briefly that there was a uh, a um venezuelan aircraft of 747 that actually was sold to venezuela by by the iranians um was stopped in argentina and the actual the pilot was actually a kuds uh senior ranking official um from the kuds uh service in in iran so um it seems like it's an active program right now uh, like i said i'd never heard of it before so i'm now this has piqued my interest for a couple of reasons a uh the threat of of uh, nuclear iran um what is that going to do with the Israelis if they think that they're getting close? Are they going to attack? What's the spillover effect of that internationally? But also the, the one thing that concerns me that hopefully is concerning a lot of people, especially in the intelligence agencies, is it seems like China, Russia, Iran are all trying to get footholds in Central and South America. And obvious, the obvious motivation behind that would be to, to start to disrupt our hegemony in that area and our influence in that area, uh, especially around uh, Central South America and the Caribbean Sea. So it almost feels like we're, we're going back towards a um, Cuban Missile Crisis type of uh, environment where um, 
countries hostile to the United States that do not share our view of the world are trying to establish uh, footprints and footholds in South America and our southern border. So um, a lot of these things are concerning to me. And I will keep an eye on it and let you guys know what I find and update you as I, uh, as I come across more information. The second article I wanted to discuss came out this morning, and the headline of the article was the New York Times Friedman media should absolutely pursue Hunter Biden's story. And I found this one kind of comical. Uh, I had mentioned it last week in my raindrop, how the uh, liberal mainstream media um, PBS NewsHour, uh, during the election in October, they put a complete lid on anything related to Hunter Biden's story. And they actively uh, made sure that that was, uh, was not going to get mentioned at all in the lead up into the, into the election. And I am firmly convinced that um, if, as they say now, that they absolutely should be investigating the Hunter Biden laptop, laptop story. If they did that back in, uh, back in October of 2020, I, I don't believe that uh, Biden would have been elected, and I think Trump would have won a second term. So this article I found uh, very ironic because of that history that the New York Times uh, in particular had with this, with this uh, Hunter Biden laptop story. So I'll go into the article a little bit here. Uh, on Friday, New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman emphasized the importance of mainstream media investigating Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings after his recovered laptop has reportedly shown some connections to his father, President Joe Biden. With concerns over foreign influence being peddled to President Biden, Friedman told CNBC's Squawk Box that he had that he was all for getting to getting to the truth wherever that leads. And again, uh, like I mentioned, if they were all for getting to the truth wherever that leads when this story first came out, um, we would be in a completely different world right now. And this seems to be a trend recently where um, the liberal media and Democrats in general are uh, starting to sour to Joe Biden just based on on the polls that we're seeing and just how the malaise that's sort of fallen over our country right now. So it seems like they're throwing him under the bus. And just now the uh, the newspaper of record, the the New York Times seems to be all in to getting to the bottom of this. So the timing I find is uh, very interesting. And I just wish they had if they had any. Uh, uh, integrity at all. Um, and they weren't just a propaganda machine for the uh, Democratic and the left in general. I'm not naive enough to to believe that uh, that the New York Times is really trying to become um, more fair and balanced in their reporting. Uh, but this article did catch my catch my attention. And, and I'll continue reading here. Squawk Box host, Joe Kernan asked Friedman, in your view, would you say there's been a reluctance for major media outlets to pursue that story? And is that okay, do you think? Do you feel it's important that we follow the evidence here to see where it all leads, whether the president's son benefited from influence peddling or whether even the president himself may have benefited, President Biden himself from influence peddling? Is it a story? And Friedman said, absolutely. To further quote Friedman, you pursue these stories unto their innermost parts. I know the New York Times felt it didn't pursue it originally as much as it wanted to, then it followed up, as I recall. 
I'm not an expert on the story, but yeah, I'm all for getting to the truth wherever it leads. And I think that that is unbelievable that he actually states that the New York Times originally was trying to find out what, what actually was going on with President Moore with, uh, with Hunter Biden's laptop, because as I mentioned earlier, um, there was a full on uh, lid put on that story by the, uh, by the mainstream liberal media. And, uh, and like I said, it, if, if, if they were truly concerned about what was going on and they really wanted to get to the truth, I don't think Biden would be president right now. Okay. <laughs> Just kind of finishing up this, uh, this episode, I had a really, really funny, cool experience last weekend, last Saturday. Um, my buddy and I, Bill Lynch, uh, we are homebrewers, and we had driven down to uh, Homebrew Mart to pick up supplies for our next batch of beer that we're going to be brewing. And a shout out to the uh, Homebrew Mart and the guys at Ballast Point. They do a great job down there. Anyway, uh, we go down, we pick up our supplies, and then uh, we wanted to stop by a uh, one of the one of the other uh, local breweries, Alesmith, here in uh, in San Diego, and. Um, so we drove up, went into the uh, went into their facility, and Alesmith's facility uh, in Miramar, just off Miramar Road, is awesome, and it is huge. So you walk in, uh, just a huge uh, area where uh, you can do your beer tasting. You look in the back, and you can see all the uh, the beer making equipment, all the stacks of keg. It's just really cool. So we're in there, and all of a sudden, I hear something coming from the back of the back of the brewery and so I kind of walked back and <laughs> it was it was kind of one of those things where you just you have no idea what to expect and you kind of stumble down a, a rabbit hole and what I came across was uh there was a wrestling ring in the middle of the brewery uh kegs all around beer making equipment all around but this open area there was actually a a ring a wrestling ring set up and there were there were folding chairs around it and there's probably 40 or 50 people there watching and i'm gonna i'm gonna add on the the video of when we came across this at the end here i, I think you find it fascinating what it turned out is uh, and i never knew this in San Diego, there's a group called One Ring Circus, and they are professional wrestlers. And they just happened to be doing uh, one of their events in the back of Alesmith. So it was kind of one of those, uh, you walk in thinking it's going to be something in terms of just grabbing a beer at the, at the brewery, and it turns out to be something completely different. And it was hilarious. Uh, if you are a fan of professional wrestling, um, I highly recommend you check out uh, One Ring Circus on their on their main Facebook page. But uh, needless to say, it wasn't anything we were expecting, and it turned out to be a very very enjoyable uh, a few minutes we spent we spent watching. So I'm going to uh, put the put the video of when we first found out what was going on right after this. So enjoy this clip. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Take a picture. Yeah. Oh, no, no, we're filming. Oh, oh we're filming. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, so we've literally never been here before. We just came in for a beer. We heard your voice. <laughs> we came back. And it feels like we just kind of... Well, this is, one, this is One Ring Circus. We're a professional wrestling brand here in San Diego. 
We got professional wrestling going on, as you can see. We got three more matches. It's actually our first time here at the Ale Smith Brewery, and we're having a great time. We're meeting people like you. So I tell you what, yeah, I was talking to one of the security guys, and he said all those chairs were flipped over because guys were just falling out of the room. Oh, yeah. Uh, somebody threw somebody out of the ring, and he decided to jump out of the ring on top onto of them. Onto the concrete. Yeah, onto the concrete. Yes. Professional wrestling is not fake. Point, point down. Right, Slow him down. Hold on, stand by. Yes, sir. We got a couple more minutes. We're gonna get the show on the road. What's your Mike'd name, up sir? with Gus. Mike'd up with Gus. Mike up with Gus. Mike up with Gus. Mike up. Mike up with Gus. Mike up with Gus. All right. So here we go. Okay. Uh, again, I, I'm not necessarily a big wrestling fan. I, I've I never really uh, watched it on TV. Uh, but just coming across it live completely randomly uh, just made made my day and, and, and Bill and I had a good laugh on the way home uh, after that. So uh, kind of a, a fun, lighthearted way to finish up this uh, this episode. Um, I appreciate your time as usual. And uh, as I do with all my videos, uh, if you're in the military, the police departments or the fire departments, first responders, if that's you out there, thank you very much for your service. Stay safe. This is the Rain Man. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching Rain Man's Take, observations of the world we live in. If you like the content, don't forget to hit the subscribe button below. You can also follow Rain Man's Take on Instagram at Rain Man's Take. Also check out our website at www.rainmanstakepodcast.com and send your comments to rainmanstake at gmail.com. Keep an eye out for future podcasts, which will be coming out every Thursday at 5 p.m. West Coast time.